letting our young people know that there is indeed hope. And how then do you really see it? If not, when someone says, okay, I went through that same process like you, see where I am today. It's possible. When you know that something is possible because you have seen someone do it, you now see that it's also possible. Welcome to the Deciding to Win podcast. My name is Reginald Nsoma. On this show, we bring you high achievers to share their inspiration and mentality with us. This will help you develop that winning mindset you need in your life. Remember, everyone is born a winner. You just have to decide. Let's begin. Till we all win, we are always a work in progress. This is a quote from our guest today, Dr. Kelechuku Onyukwamike. Dr. Casey is a research scientist with Procter & Gamble. He's a holder of two PhDs in organic and polymer chemistry and a recipient of over 10 academic and research awards. He also runs a mentorship platform where he guides young African graduates on scholarship applications and career advice. His willingness and passion to help others succeed is amazing and he shares his inspiration and mindsets with us today. He believes success is meaningless until you become a door, allowing others to also succeed. Thank you so much, Dr. Kalechuku. I know you like to be called Dr. Casey. So welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Reginald. So we all win. I like that phrase. How did you come up with so we all win motto? Basically, I'm a big believer in, in people and also a very strong believer that we all are connected and we all have something to offer. So when you say you've succeeded and only in the extent to which it's exclusive to you, then I do not consider that as success. So I consider success to really be you keep growing, but taking people along with you. And as they grow, they take others along with them. So you really have this community type of thinking. And also from my background, I grew up in a big family and there was always that aspect about sharing, always being your brother's keeper, always being conscious of others around you. So when I started developing and growing, I realized that to even grow more, you need to make people grow with you. So if you imagine that you are the only successful in quote in your community, what does it even mean? How can that be success when everybody around you is suffering? I don't see that as success. So that is why I'm a big and then I coined this um, phrase about T, we all win. We are always work in progress. So meaning that as you keep growing winning you keep working and you keep being work in progress as others grow with you though that's amazing i know you have a very amazing story and i think one thing i know about you is that you've always been top of your class you know at the bachelor's level in your degrees and somebody as well educated with you with two phds that's amazing. So just can you tell us a little bit about yourself growing up and how it's been for you? I would say that it's it's always interesting, let me use that word, when people just look at all the profiles, you know, when you write things on paper, it looks so arranged and organized and it might appear as, oh, this is so easy and it there is just a straight line from, oh, he started from here and now he's there. Like, no, that's not always the case. I think not just for me, but also many people that you might have um, come in contact with have a story in between, right? Yes. And then at the end, when they seem to have gotten to a point and they try putting things together, they bring it in a more chronological manner that makes it look like it was thought out. And the, the point here that I'm trying to make is for people not to feel threatened when they go and look at my profile or look at the profile of other people and they feel like this guy has gotten to this point. He's looking so young. I'm still young, but what are my chances anymore? 
you know so it's it doesn't just look as straight as um it appears so i'm nigerian i was born in cameroon so my parents were there and i grew up with a big family we are eight in numbers i'm the sixth of the eight and so i grew up among elders right um my elder brothers always have that inquisitiveness curiosity wanting to understand why things are the way they are always um trying to find a way to solve problems so we, i really grew up with that problem solving mentality so but when i was in the secondary school my interest was actually to do in the beginning it was more like i want to do medicine because you know like growing up is always medicine or engineering Yes. Um, even when we don't know what they mean. But um, I realized that I have a phobia for blood. So um, this was just something I, can, I couldn't really manage. And so I just had to put that aside. And then I said, okay, engineering looks like the next step. So when I finished from um, high school then in Cameroon, I came back to Nigeria. And then there was a lot of issues with getting the admission. Um, not necessarily because I didn't have a very good result. Of course, I was the best from my from my school. I had a very good result, but there was just that issue with converting the Cameroon system into a Nigerian system that they would understand. So there was always this back and forth. And eventually I got admitted into chemistry. And I remember just feeling like, oh no. I mean, if I wanted to do a pure science, I would do mathematics because I'm a big fan of math. Mm -hmm. And so, but there was I doing industrial chemistry that I had no idea what it was. But eventually when I was in my second year, in fact, I was convinced that if I do well in the first year, then I would be able to move to something else. And this was why I even took up the chemistry program. But when I got into the second year, I came into a direct entry as it's called. When I started, I just realized that, oh no, I had no idea what this course was all about. So this is really where I want to be. This is where I want to understand because I've always wanted to solve problems really from fundamental what are the building blocks um what does why is this behaving differently how can we influence it so it just connected with what i really wanted to do and so i completed from chemistry and um, then in Futo in nigeria so federal investor of technology aware and after finishing from Futo, i got into the erasmus mundus masters um double masters program between germany and france i did this uh, between 2013 and 2015 and my program was on what they call functionalized advanced materials in engineering, which is basically um, trying to understand uh, fundamental properties of materials and trying to understand how to create, not really create, but design. Design is the right word, really to design new type of materials based on fundamental knowledge. And after that, I started picking a lot of interest, even more coming into the area of sustainability, like trying to understand how can material design from the beginning be considered to make sure that it's sustainable at the end. And so I got into um, kind of a special PhD program. It was a double program. PhD program means I was registered in two universities as a PhD student and I had to like do all the things from both. So I was moving between Germany and France for this. PhD was on developing ways of making materials from cellulose. So basically from wood. And so it really meant I did a lot of traveling between these two countries. I had a lot of um, conferences, presentations, a lot of uh, interactions, networking. So overall, yes, I got the double PhDs in in February um, 2019. Oh. And from July 2019, I moved into the industry. Um, so currently, as you know, I'm a research scientist for Procter & Gamble. Wow, that's amazing. So how was the transition from tempering and meddling with uh, chemical materials and all that into now mentoring young people or mentoring young Africans? What's the story behind mentoring programs? I've always seen, not just seen myself, I've always been at that point where I 
give back what I know. Okay. Back in secondary school, I, I remember creating a reading club. I, in fact, we had like very strong on targets um, that we had to meet. Um, really competing among different groups. So I created the group. I made sure that there was always um, healthy competition among these groups. And then when I got to the university, it was the same. I always taught people what I know. So growing up at every point in my life, I've always wanted to give back. One thing I realized when I was that I have, and there are a lot of people looking for this information and they are not getting it. So how can I convey this to them better? So I started, then I became a bit more active on LinkedIn, information on scholarships because this is where my strength and um, an area that I'm very familiar with and then gradually I saw that a lot of people kept asking me for the same things right and it just got very difficult to like answer 20 100 people the same thing so I said oh why not bring them together right and then you can leverage on one platform and then they can get this information and you can plan like a session like we're doing discuss on different aspects so I that was how the mentorship platform started but even before that probably in Nigeria I was kind of um, a graduate assistant at the university so I've always had students and so for me I felt really connected to them and also wanted to be at a point where I can always support them okay. so this is also something that I kind of incorporated into the mentorship platform so you also have a lot of my students that are in the platform and of course the goal of the platform is not just for the scholarship so it's like a family that okay. we're trying to build and so that even people that have gotten scholarship like last year we had over 20 wow. into different programs um, scattered around the world but they are still part of the platform so getting the scholarship is definitely not the end right so there's the whole conversation about the whole process the whole stabilizing in your new environment what are your next steps so really being there to provide them that that guidance and i think um it's been going really great so what role do you see mentoring programs like like yours and maybe many others what role do you feel that it can really play in helping a lot of people in africa young people in africa realize their dreams and their potential i think a lot i give you a very good example. I, I was in the Erasmus Mundus Masters between 2013 and 2015. And I'm pretty sure the numbers of Nigerians that were in Erasmus Mundus scholarship were perhaps around 30 or thereabout. And last year, that number was around 50 or thereabout. And just this year, the number is over 100. Okay. Nigeria has become the highest country in Africa with scholars on Erasmus Mundus um, program and also among the highest in the world, the top three actually. And what has been different is information dissemination. Okay. So you have a lot of people have been very, very vocal on this program because I know the benefit and I've prepared guidelines. I've given a lot of trainings, a lot of um, visibility on the program and not just giving it for the sake of it, but really guiding people on how to go about, about it. it. And this is how mentoring is important or this is why mentoring is important because if you imagine finishing from the university and you just don't know what to do next, you don't know how to align yourself, get opportunity and so this is the importance of a mentor a mentor is not really meant to create you but rather to guide you right um into becoming what you want to be maybe you know you have an idea but you don't know where to get this information i strongly believe that not just do you need let me put it this way it's not mandatory that it must be a physical person you can talk with because that yes. will become a constraint that you cannot meet but following these people up like following their profiles following their posts on social media most i mostly prefer um, linkedin you can start 
seeing where you can, what you should be doing, right? So you have someone that you are looking up to. You now look at what those people have done. What, how did they progress? You can reach out to them, not specifically to give you all the time um, for an actual mentor, but you can really come to them and say, okay, I am this at this point. How do I move to other steps? And uh, what did you do? What can I do now? See where I am. And I think this kind of information is very, very important and helps to like guide them. So you don't waste a lot of time circling uh, because you do not have guidance, right? So mentoring is definitely very important. And I'm happy that a lot of people are opening up their doors of experience um, to young people in Africa right, as a whole to be able to like benefit, right, from their experience as they chatter their own feet. Dr. Casey, a lot of these programs that exchange programs and scholarships, there are other people who also say that it's a way to get the best students away from Africa and some of them eventually never come back because when they go and they see what we term as greener pastures, sort of, we find the best of our researchers, academians, like like yourself, who has always been an A student, you know, far away from the continent. So what's your opinion on this? Um, I, I've always been um, kind of an advocate of the aspect of, say, brain drain, um, which I also felt um, scholarships are an incentive towards that. But I think my thoughts about it has actually changed now. Um, the reason being that if you look at the the number of people that are in Africa currently, we are not the most brilliant and we are not yet because we are the most brilliant. As I said, it could really be because of information, right? Um, just getting the right information and then connecting some dots and you are out. But it doesn't mean you are the best. Um, to be sincere, the most creative, intelligent, brilliant people are still back in Nigeria now or in Ghana or in mm -hmm. Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, the question that we need to really always ask is, what do you need as a person to be impact to become relevant in contributing to your society what do you need what type of trainings what type experiences because yes you are very intelligent you are indigenous perfect and all but you do not have the facilities you do not have the resources to utilize your potential right now when we think about like my friend would call it not really brain drain but actually brain gain okay. you are looking at transferring your best if you want to put it that way to get that right technical know-how that they can implement in their society. And this is how we need to see this. Now, the point that is missing or the link that is missing here is that the society, and when I say the society, like the government, doesn't see it that way. Because if you saw, like in Ghana or in Nigeria, they do have some kind of funding, right? Yeah. To train people to go to the best universities and get experience and come back home. But what I've realized most times is that there is no strategy towards it. You can imagine spending a lot of money to train somebody in Harvard or MIT, this person has that potential, that know-how. Now, there is no pathway to bring that person. I mean, it's the difference. Okay, bring him to come and lecture, right? But yeah. fine, what does he do? He goes to the board and teach. But how is that practicalized into actual contribution to the society, into actual making um, 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 products, into actually delivering services that can promote growth of the country? Now, the point is, why scholarship might look as a way of brain brain? The truth of the matter is that the number of people that get scholarship, we are talking of how many percent and this is definitely not like these are the best that is why they got the scholarship mm -hmm. no if we are more concerned or if it comes to a point that we are concerned as africa that scholarship are a way to brain drain what should you do make sure you do not lose those talents because they are actually much more in your own country that feel completely neglected i give you an example somebody finished from the university top of his class high prospect and what does he get he goes out to look for a job treated like trash he completely 
completely loses all his moral. He loses mm. everything that gives him the confidence to want to fight. He just sees like, what was the point? Why did I have to do this? And this is why we are becoming very vocal at this point to really let them know that there is actually a future for you that refuse to be confided by what the society and the environment you find yourself in. Always be conscious of who you are as a person, the potential and the value that you have. Opportunities to make you use it would come. And to be sincere, for most of us now, I, I wouldn't really say I'm not in Nigeria, right? Because a lot of the support I'm giving are instead going back to that Nigeria and going back yeah. to Africa, right? So yeah. it's all about making sure that you know how to always connect. What I'm doing now, I could as well be doing it back in my home in Nigeria. I could as well be doing it back in Germany. But at the end of the day, what is the outcome? The outcome is to keep empowering, like you said, it's one of your motivation. Keep empowering young people. Keep giving them hope. That is the biggest. And scholarship is even one of those incentives that gives them that hope. That I can be an excellent student and this is where I can be. This is wow. what could happen. So this is how I see it. So I think we just yeah. need to rethink the way we see it as a brain drain. I, I don't think it is. Wow, I like the term you use. It's actually a brain gain. Now, yes, absolutely. I think I've been seeing a lot of people rush to your mentorship program and probably others. Do you see that hunger in our youth back in Africa? And what do you think they are crying out for? And how do you think we should respond to that? I would say it's hope. There is nothing as worse, in my opinion, than someone without hope. Some, when, what is hope? That something could, that there is tomorrow. Mm -hmm. If there is no hope, why do you even need to live for tomorrow? If, like I gave some examples, I have had situations where some of my mentees and even sometimes connections, so I really, that's why for me, I do not try to like over familiarize or over sell the mentorship itself because of course there is a capacity issue but I connect a lot with my connections like you you approach me and we are yeah. doing this now right um, yes. you didn't have to be a mentee to yes. go through all the process so I still this is how I see it I still interact with my connections as much as possible and they can always approach me I see myself as someone that is easily approachable but what I do notice which is why we really have to be out there as vocal as possible and good job with what you're doing letting people know letting our young people know that there is indeed hope and how then do you really see it if not when someone says okay i went through that same process like you see where i am today it's possible when you know that something is possible because you have seen someone do it you now see that it's also possible for you right and of course there are many hindrances there are some people that come okay i graduated with this kind of class i did this what are my potential what am i what is the hope for me what is the future for me and this is also something that we need to still come down to the aspect about education, right? As a bedrock of a sustainable society. And education here is far from being going to a university and getting a yeah. degree. It's really being impactful. And that's why I always tell people that the question is not what do you need to do next? The question is what should you do to be able to be who you want to be tomorrow? So what do you want to be tomorrow? I want to be this. I Okay. Why do you want to be this? Okay, because I can achieve this with this. So what do you need to be doing? Oh, I did not get a good grade. So what should you be doing now? We need to come down to the questions of after the fact. Yes, um, you, have not, you are not having the best degrees, but that doesn't make you hopeless, yeah. right? And so we, that is why um, all the conversation, and even in the mentoring, my mentor platform, there is no criteria for degree. I do not say only first class should be there. But I do know that there are people that have really amazing talents, amazing um, um, skill sets, and even that can be directed into a direction or guided into a direction that would even make them, what I'm talking about, influential and also help them to achieve their, their dream. So we just need to keep being out there, speaking up, 
letting our young people know that this is possible and helping them to see that future, that hope. And that is what they need to keep working towards. And that is the hope. This is why I think there's the hunger, there is the big drive. When you see people, when you see these kind of opportunities, a lot of people are coming to us because we really need to find that hope. We need to see it. And this is um, the part that also humbles me, right? Uh, because to really be at that point where people see your story and find the hope for them to live. I mean, for me, it's always just one person. I don't really care about the number. Just mm -hmm. if there's one person that look at this profile, look at my story and say, because this guy did this, wherever I am today, I can also be what I want to be. And wow. that is enough. Well, that, that's very inspirational. So what's the vision? How big do you want to take your mentoring program? Because as for me, I feel... I even need to direct more people to you, <laughs> but just that I know you're also trying to deal with the numbers. So how far do you want to do? Because I was just going to ask you to give us details about your mentoring program and how people can get signed up. When you when we say big, always sometimes um, leading to people want to put a number to it. For me, I mm. don't. Again, I am always very clear about it. I'm not interested in numbers. Numbers. Um, what I do know is that you have multiplicity effect, right? Yes. Um, Multiplicity effect in the sense that when you help one person, the person can help one person. And so you simply move yeah. that numbers yes. upward. So when it comes about size, I would say more about influence, influence rather than the size. So if I have two mentees that are making impact in the society, driving the same conversation about giving hope, that is enough. I'd rather have this than 1,000 that have no impact. And of course, the point here also comes down to what are people looking for, right? Uh, and this is something we are trying to develop. So at the moment, um, the mentorship has really started from really step-by-step -step guiding people through making their scholarship application. And now like we have 20 in the group, maybe if, yeah, about 25 and so in the group already with scholarships. Now they're in different places dealing with their... Or because, again, at the end of the day, getting the scholarship doesn't take away the next challenges you would face. And that's why most times they come back to me like, oh, why is it so difficult now? I said, no, but that is the point. It's a, it's a whole process. You have to trust the process. You don't complain about a process. You live through the process. You know that the process is preparing you. And so for me, gradually, we would have to get to a point where we can accommodate as much people as possible, sure. really get a voice, right? But I'm also being very careful about it because really it's not, again, about the result, but the mindset, right? Yeah. You really need some people of some particular type of mindset. How do they see life? Because at the end of the day, yes, we can spend more time to change somebody's how their perception of life is, but this could also lead to more challenges, even for yourself, right? If somebody doesn't even want to come out from that constraint, that define themselves. So I'm fine with you. As I said, as I would always say for, for, um, for many podcasts that I've been invited, people can always reach me on LinkedIn. So you okay. can share my LinkedIn profile. They can send a connection. I'm very flexible. I accept. And they can come together. They can ask questions, right? And sometimes when I realize that there are many questions that are similar, I simply create a webinar like this and okay. then we walk through it. Okay. So That's... in that way, I really try to be out there um, giving out a lot of time to support. So my point here is... 
they should not feel that because they cannot join the mentorship platform, then they are out, right? Okay. So there is not an exclusive club. Actually. Yeah, it's yeah. just really a matter of um, being able to manage how many people can in a more effective manner. But anyone can still reach me out on LinkedIn and ask a question. And I know very much that I always try to, to respond. Wow, that's amazing. So Dr. Casey, what's your best memory of your mentorship programs? What's that special maybe person that came to that you really had to work on his mindset or? I would say that my one of the best moments this year actually that would have been that was in April I think so there was an Erasmus Mundus scholarship um, that two of my mentees were shortlisted for the interview so normally when they are shortlisted uh, we get I prep them for the interview and so but none of them knew that the other was invited and I I mean they approached me on their own like separately but we're in the same group and I after um, like coaching them preparing them individually separately um, for the interview I just oh, I just felt like okay there are two of them I want two of them to get in what are the odds very low there are two Nigerians from the same group of course the group part is not visible to the to the selection committee but I was just like they are in the same group they are the two Nigerians in that program typically you do not find two people from the same countries or three like it's rarely you can but mm. it's not that common so I just felt like okay what if this other person wins how would the other person mm. feel you know I was just passing mm. through the whole emotional and dilemma I just said but God please I mean I would be so excited if all of them can can get in I just pray that you make it happen and yes two of them got in I was wow. completely overwhelmed wow, yes, two of them got into the same program so I think wow. that was one of my best memory uh, another one was one of my mentees that has really I mean she's an example of what I call resilient rugged um, 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 really how do I put it like really focused individual that I've met and she just wrote all these scholarships and everything was coming back negative 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 I just kept telling her but that is the process that is the process and I, even for myself I felt like I don't want to lose this person because there's a point to which someone feels or gets all this negative and it gets to them and start, you start questioning if you should even be doing this right and so long story short she got into um, Commonwealth so again it wow. was an example and even got something more after that so at the end of the day for me the success if you might call it that way for me success is a process right it's a whole mm. process um the whole failures the whole rejection learning from it is what you do with what happens to you so really taking out the, the lessons and implementing it to be better is what i call success i mean at the end of the day when this positive result comes you are not just celebrating that moment you're celebrating the whole process you have gone through. and that is when it really dawned on you what you have actually achieved so what are your top three mistakes or errors that prevent a lot of these are young people from getting into some of these world competitive programs let's say commonwealth erasmus mundus what are some of the biggest mistakes that get some of our people rejected um first i would say is instruction okay. paying attention to detail a good example you might be asked to submit uh, a motivation with 350 words it's 350 words don't create something more okay. or you could be asked something like send application by post and some people don't just send it by email um, but electronically without doing the actual post again instructions come down i think first would be instruction and um, instructions will also include eligibility requirement and the whole and in fact like i always tell people better ask to make sure you are eligible if you are not sure than spending the time 
an effort and just hoping that somebody would ignore it now. <laughs> they just put it through a computer selection system, you're out and nobody even sees the application. So make sure you ask and you're aligned on it. Um, the second I would say is um, not realizing actually that as an example, scholarship is a job. It could be really a full-time job. Sometimes we do not realize how much work is involved. I've seen scenarios where people say, oh, you know, I applied to 10 scholarship. I'm like, how did you manage to apply to 10 scholarship? How much time did you did you use to apply? Oh, it was easy. No, that's not the way to go. Less is more. So I think for some people, they want to really have that feeling that I've applied to more so I could get one. No, you can apply to more and you get known, but you can apply to one and you get the one because you are really putting all the effort. You need to be conscious that this is a competition open to everyone in the world. So you really need to be really, really, really up, 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 really top the best you can offer. It doesn't mean you get it, but you know you did everything you can do. So that's the second one I would say, not really realizing how much effort you need to put into making scholarship. The third one I would say is giving up, quitting. Of course, um, as they would say, quitters don't win, winners don't quit. Um, because at the end of the day, when you have in your mind that success is not when you say, ah, you have succeeded. No, success is really those processes that you go through with all the failures. You don't quit. You know that I would stick here till I win, but not just sticking. You need to stick where you are and make sure you are doing the right thing. So reach out to people. Do not assume you know what you are doing, right? Always reach out to people that are more experienced than you. Reach out to them. They, in fact, now it's even easier because you have a lot of all these webinars. There are YouTube channels, people talking on specific scholarships. Like, utilize this. You have so much resource and don't feel like, oh, because um, um, Casey did not uh, review my motivation, it's not good enough. No, that's not the point. You need to use the resources you have before you start excluding yourself based on what someone, a particular person has not helped you with. So I think um, this three, I would say, if managed properly, then your chances are very high. And of course, at the end of the day, just being persistent. Mm -hmm. You just have to be persistent. There are a lot of people like you who are in the diaspora, working in multi-billion you know, dollar companies, doing amazing things, and some want to help. But I know for you, for example, in research, your time is very important. But there are people who are like, oh, because of my work, I can't get out and help mentor people and all that. For example, how do you get a balance to get a time on LinkedIn, spend time with a lot of people? Because I know that people looking for answers about applications can be very, very bugging. They will come today, tomorrow, you know. So how can people like you out there in the diaspora also get involved? Because we need all of you, you know, to help lift our young people. I would say that, yes, um, there is nothing that is easy with what I do. And uh, I also have a lot of respect for other people that manage to do this. In fact, I also respect those that are making a service out of it, right? Um, <laughs> that are able to like make a business out of it, which is for me very perfect. And this is something that we need to be conscious as young people being, don't always think it could be free. Yeah. Because again, that's why I say scholarship is a job. If you understand what you are looking for, the price you need to pay. At the end, it will be worth it. You can imagine an Erasmus Mundi scholarship is about 50,000 euros. That's the worth of the scholarship. So why, what will it take if you can afford to make all the little payments, to attend some special trainings or, you know, all those things. Be prepared. Spend to be prepared. Now, in terms of time management, it's most times tricky because, like you said, some people could be really buggy, um, bugging, like always making, wanting you to like hold your hand yeah. through the whole process, which is which is not practical. And so one thing that I've done is that I've um, consciously 
been on certain webinars where I talk on specific processes. And so it's easier now for me, like if you come to me on scholarship, I give you the videos, like one hour, 30 minutes, where I really took out the time. So one way that I'm doing this is by like building the resources okay. that people can just use, right? Yeah. And they can get all their answers without really asking me again. Mm -hmm. So yeah. um, in this way, it's easier to really manage. It's easier to send a link. When I notice that there are some questions that have not been covered um, in a previous video or in a previous um, and post. I try to again um, prepare a webinar where I tackle that. So in that way, people always have a resource um, that they can go to, and also gives me that time, right, to to do other things. Because again, I don't want, I don't ignore people. I don't want them to feel ignored. Because at the end of the day, I want each and everyone to have a chance, right, to see that hope and to know that indeed they can be what they want to be. They just need the guidance. And as much as I can provide this, I'm always very happy to do that. All right. Thank you, Doc. Thank you so much. I mean, we need people like you. What you're doing is so amazing, giving hope and confidence to a lot of our young people in Africa who have the dream to also study in one of these world-class universities. So I'm very, very happy with what you are doing. And I wish you all the best. And may God, you know, Thank bless you your work. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for coming. I think my little German I know is Danke. Danke, right? It means thank you. <laughs> Yeah, yes. Um, and also, thank you for having me on your on your show. Yes. Um, God bless you too, and bless everyone else. Um, till we all win, we are always working progress. Yes, till we all win. Thank you. Yourself. Thank you for spending time with us today. We hope you were inspired. We would like to hear from you. Reach out to us on Instagram or Facebook at Deciding to Win. Please share, subscribe, and if you're inclined, please leave us a four or five star rating. See you next time, and keep winning.